What's up, friends and followers of War Media? This is Kyle Means. I want to put y'all up on something real cool, and that's involving our friends at TixBlitz.com, where they got all types of great offers for seats and uh, on events of all kinds. Uh, they hooked us up with a promo code that is promo code WAR, W-A-R-R. You use that and you can save 5% off all purchases at TixBlitz.com or on the TixBlitz app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all events. TixBlitz provides the same great seats as other resellers, but with no service fees. None at all, y'all. I'm telling you, this is the hookup, man. We put you on. Alright. So hook so uh, support us, our friends at TixBlitz.com and never pay service fees again. That once again, TixBlitz.com, TixBlitz app available everywhere, y'all. Start talking on want to any radio silence. Okay, looks like we're good. All right. And this is another flawless beginning to another flawless episode of Running with War. Kyle Means here, the one and only from War Media representing, and another one and only a truly special guest uh, returning to war broadcasting, but I think this is his first time on this particular show, Running With War, uh, the sports producer for WGN, one of the, the men in charge of all your favorite sports programming from Channel 9, Mr. Larry Hawley, and, and, their, and their digital platforms as well. Uh, Mr. Larry Hawley is here with me for about a half hour or so kicking off this show. Uh, the the regulars are on their way. Uh, it's still a little bit too early for those guys, but uh, I, I like I like the uh, idea of doing the show again when there's some daylight still. You know, I'm you know you you lose that in the winter, but we we just we start again that again. So it's it's nice way to look outside and see a little something that shows that the day isn't over yet. No, it's fantastic because I can look out the windows. So the windows where I am, I'm kind of in the back of the newsroom. I look out there, and there's actually still a healthy amount of light uh, that's still coming through. I left about 6.30 or so last night, and it's just so nice. You just feel like you're a little bit more energized. You're a little bit more awake. And maybe, uh, like I said, maybe daylight saving time will uh, go away for good. I know it's in the – I know it passed the Senate. I think it's got to go through the House. So I'm all with that. A lot more light. So I'm all with that, Larry, because if it – if it keep the the I, I could give or take the light at the end of the day as much as the light at the beginning of the day, because mm-hmm. I'm I, I could be a late uh, late to sleep and late to rise, but mm-hmm. but you know there there'll be times in the summer where the 
really and, and part of it too is the location of my apartment and my window my bedroom window it faces east and there's no trees in front of the window oh so really i get not i get all the sunlight prior to noon every day so it's like when you when you have those early rises in the summer sometimes the daylight will become it'll be like five o'clock and there'll be a whole <laughs> sun just beaming on me like i, I can't do that it's, and, and there'll be nights where i'll be like i'm just trying to start sleeping at five o'clock maybe, maybe that's that's more of my issue where i should start no i mean it's actually early. it's interesting you mentioned that when i lived in indianapolis i was actually up on the sixth floor of a building and i was faced straight out east so every morning it just came straight in like there was no relief yeah. I, I had like blinds with, you know they didn't always work because where i was it just came straight in so it was you know, if I if I didn't have to wake up, it was kind of pretty, but you know, see the sunrise. But there'll be some mornings where it just glares right in. It warms everything up so fast. It's not a bad thing. I mean, there's some good to that, but sometimes it's a little bit too much. Yeah, a lot of times it's too much for me. But yeah, but let me transition this. Uh, I, I could talk for a while more on, on daylight savings, but this is a basketball show, and uh, I'm glad to have you on, Larry, to talk. Uh, this week because we had I know you have your uh, your thumb on thumbprint on on coverage for all levels of basketball and we uh, we we talk about all levels of basketball here on Runner with War but you no know, this week basketball is really permeating and and really focused on the college level and uh, the NCAA tournament and everything going on with that and um, you know we're lucky enough to have two two schools that matter in, in our specific region, Chicago land region, uh, you know, going to the tournament on the men's side with Illinois and, uh, and uh, Loyola, of course. And uh, DePaul actually making it on the women's side is pretty, another testament to that uh, solid program as uh, under Doug Bruno that has, you know, done such great things. And, uh, you know, Getting into you know before we get into the the meat of the the these local stories, uh, you know what's, what's your overall take on on the tournament this year, and and what's what's sort of a has, has anything captivated you about it already, or anything that really has you anticipating, looking forward to uh, these tip offs uh, tomorrow as we we get our full uh, feel of the tournament. I think what's interesting for me is the fact that it, there is a lot of parity at the top. You know, we saw Gonzaga, I believe they you know they lost one or two. I'm trying to remember exactly how many games they lost, but it wasn't much. They've been consistently near the top all year long. It's interesting. I think there was one week where I think all six top all top six or seven teams lost. So I'm really interested to see just how this is all going to play out in the tournament. Obviously, that's why they pay the billion dollars for it because there's upsets, there's shockers. But this year in particular, there doesn't seem to be like a super dominant team. So I'm really curious to see if that does indeed play out. And maybe we get an unusual winner. Maybe we get a winner that comes from maybe middle of the bracket or even lower in the uh, bracket. Um, so I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of how that all plays out, you know, over the over the next couple of, of weeks. Uh, teams I'm interested to see, obviously Gonzaga coming so close uh, to winning a championship last year and going undefeated. 
that's an interesting storyline. Uh, Coach, I know it's over. Oh, said over and over again. Coach K being in there for the last time certainly he has left a tremendous impact on college basketball. Uh, there are some people who love Duke, and there are a lot of people who don't. So there's an interesting dynamic there as we see how that plays out here over the next uh, couple of weeks. Arizona is a team I keep coming back to. You know, they played in Champaign back in December, really early in the year, and they seem to be gathering some momentum. You know, is this the time they break through for a championship? Uh, interesting connection uh, with Illinois. Uh, we'll get more into the Illini later. But when I was a junior at Illinois covering the team for the Daily Illini, uh, Illinois was the number one seed in the South region. They're now in the South region this year. The number mm. two seed that year was an Arizona team that was super. Uh, Richard Jefferson was on that team. Lauren Woods was on that team. Gardner was on that team. And I'm forgetting somebody, and I shouldn't. Uh, they were an awesome team, and they would eventually meet in the Elite Eight, and Arizona would eventually yeah, meet them. That would be a Bill Self coaster, right? That would be Bill Self. So that would have yeah. been uh, Marcus, uh, the Peoria uh, guys. So they've been Sergio McLean, Marcus Griffin. Of oh, course, yeah. uh, Frank Williams, his best year at Illinois. Frank was uh, outstanding uh, that season. Uh, had 30 points against Kansas in the Sweet 16 to take Illinois to the Elite Eight. Uh, at that point, it was their first time since they've been there since 1989 when the Flying Illini. Mm. Uh, that's a little bit of a tangent, but Arizona's been very good. So I'm really curious to see. Uh, what they may be able to do here and and to see what they might be able to pull off. So very curious. You know, that's a team that I just kind of have a spotlight on. Uh, but there's a lot of others I'm looking at. Uh, Purdue basketball. You know, that's somebody in the Big Ten. Pur Purdue has, a you know, as has, I think, a decent amount of depth. I think that they've got some tremendous potential, which they've shown at times this year. Can they put together a run? That's a program under Matt Painter that they've established some sustained success, not only early in his tenure when you had Juwan, Etwan, Robbie Hummel, but then after it slipped to now have another era to which they've done very well. Obviously, they came one possession away a couple of years ago from making the Final Four. We'll see if they can complete that as well. And then I think also from a Big Ten perspective, I'm really curious to see how Iowa, who I think is playing some tremendous basketball right now, uh, we'll finish this out. You know, can they be that mid-team uh, mid to maybe make that uh, go make a run there? So I'm really curious to see which one of these squads is going to, to do that. But from a national perspective, I'm really interested to see. We've seen some parity at the top. We've seen a number of teams, you know, fluctuate as time has gone along. I want to see if that plays out here over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's one of those years where you can't you can't just pick one or two teams and say like they're destined to meet in the final four. And especially the way that the, the, the brackets have been laid out, it seems like there's some bit of danger potentially for all of these number one seeds. But uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you pretty much on all your major points. Like, you know, Gonzaga is especially a, the probably the best safest pick out of the major teams. Uh, they have their own, you know they have this this whole twenty years of legacy now where they've they've done so many things that that schools that from their uh, you know from their background of mid major background have have never done and they've you know established themselves as a clear major team in a mid major conference and they've gone to multiple final four they've been number one seed multiple times but they just haven't broken through. So now this is the year where a lot of people are expecting them to really put up a shut up. Can they, you know, if they, they don't do it this year, they might never do it. So that type of uh, thing is, is 
you know, uh, circling around them. But, you know, you look at teams like Arizona, too, that, you know, have a, a again, have a great legacy of, of ball playing. They've been – they've won national championships in the past, but they weren't really doing much in, in recent years. They sort of just popped up out of nowhere this year. And, you know, going back to that game, like you said, against Illinois, that was the time where – it really was open my eyes as to you know what that team is and what they can do possibly, and they've really from there just kept going strong and wound up winning that Pac ten, Pac twelve, and um, now you know they're the top, their top seed now. I like also like some teams like you know the Duke story. Of course, everybody mm-hmm. wants to see how Coach K ends, how that how his career ends, and everything. And uh, hopefully it won't be as bitter as it was against North Carolina with that last home game. That was that was incredible. I mean, I was shocked. I really didn't think they dropped that game, especially considering all the alumni that came back, all the people yeah. that came back, and, and you have that happen. It was a shocking moment. I mean, it, it kind of was. And, you know, obviously Coach K apologized to the crowd before they could even get it started saying how – it was unacceptable and how it was. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Paul M. Banks, a friend of mine, for an interview I was doing actually for WGN uh, News Now uh, for an interview segment we did. And he had talked about the fact that North Carolina kind of made themselves a little bit of an interesting factor here because of the fact that they pulled that upset off, because of the fact that they had that strong finish. And the ACC kind of had a down year. So North yeah. Carolina, maybe they're a factor. You know, maybe they come out of nowhere. That's a blue blood program that has been – you know, obviously, uh, we spoke against Zaga. You know, they they knocked them off on the way, I believe, to the 2017 championship. And, you know, so there's, you know, there's another program I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what Hubert Davis is able to do now as he takes his team into the tournament for the first time after pulling such a tremendous win. I mean, think about how many regular season college basketball games a lot of people watch. And that was one of them. And they pulled off a victory in a pretty – Tremendous victory for them. So Definitely. that that is that's weird. You bring that up because that came up in the conversation, has come up in conversations before. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what North Carolina does. That is a very interesting point, though. And the Duke story, it's gonna be there. I like whether you're whether you like Coach K, whether you don't like Coach K, whether you don't like Duke, or you like Duke, uh, it's certainly gonna be a conversation point as we continue on here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And in talking about Carolina, like so many people had them firmly on the bubble. I thought it was a little overstated, you know, go, even going into the Duke game. But apparently, you no know, people needed to see that type of win in order to, uh, you know, solidify them. You know, as far as, you know, I don't know where they were standing within you know, the 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 committee itself, but a lot of people speaking on TV were like, "Yeah, they needed that win absolutely," and they didn't they didn't build off of it as much in the conference tournament as you would like. You know, they Virginia Tech, you know, had a nice run there and they really got themselves in the tournament via that run. But, uh, yeah, like you say, the ACC was kind of weak and uh, throughout the season. And and that sort of thing, I'm, you know, we're going to get into brackets in a minute. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when I when I'm when I went through my brackets and my picks and stuff, I I I didn't give much credit to uh, the ACC teams like I. You know, maybe, maybe I'm setting myself up to be wrong there, but you know, I, I don't know. I even with Duke, I don't I I don't see them going that far in this tournament. And Carolina, I think the draw is a little bit difficult, more difficult for them than they need. But Carolina does have a lot of talent, and mm-hmm. and they seem to be able to turn it on at at specific times. 
you know, we'll see uh, if, if they're able to do it. I, I, you know, a couple more teams I think I, I'm interested in uh, Kentucky. I, th- I think Kentucky with their big man is sort of akin to Illinois where they have that big guy that they can really depend on in the post. Uh, but also they have some nice uh, explosive guard play. And, um, you know, if the, the guards come to play along with that big guy, I think they they can make a nice deep run. But they also have some draws, you know, I really like that, uh, you know, both of those teams on the other side of them in their bracket, San Francisco and South Dakota State, I would – be willing to put one of those teams down to be a really eye-opening uh, a Cinderella team in this season, especially South Dakota State. I think that could very well happen. But uh, also, and, that, and also this in the region too, that's going to have their uh, regional semifinals and finals here in Chicago. I'll speak about that in a second as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, in that in that Midwestern uh, bracket is USC. And I think of the middle teams, I think they may be the most dangerous. They're a seven seed. So I think that I, I really like USC to possibly break into that uh sweet sixteen area and disrupt some brackets. But but uh let me let me bring in two of my guys here, Larry. You should know you should know this one definitely, Joshua M. Hicks. Hey. What's going on, Josh? And, hey Larry, how you doing, doing man? <laughs> What's up, fellas? What's going on, guys? How you doing, Larry? Drew, good to see you. All right, same here. Same here. Yeah, so uh, two of our regular runners here, and, of course, Larry's been holding down with me for the first 15 minutes or so. We've just been doing some general talk about the uh, the NCAA tournament, which uh, technically has already gotten, gotten going with the first four games in Dayton uh, from yesterday and today, but uh, really gets going tomorrow with the, uh, the outright bracket the 64 final 64 t- uh tipping off but uh yeah uh before I, before I let you guys in i guess you know larry let's just, let's talk about uh the local teams and the uh you know what what the outlook can be for these for these uh alani and uh ramblers this year now you okay you know you've already talked about being an illinois uh grad you know, you know about the history of the program. It's, you know, a great history overall, but can be a little shaky in March, <laughs> especially yeah. when there's some real when there's some real expectations there. Uh, yeah. what, what do you think about this? The story of this year's team coming off of last year where you had that number one seed and that bitter loss to, to Loyola of all teams in the second round. What do you think the program is right now in, in this year coming in as a four? Do you think they're in a better position uh, comparably than they may than they may have been last year or, or or what? Well, they're at, in my opinion, you know, the Underwood era faces, I don't know, I don't know if a crossroads is the right word. I think that might be too drastic. But you know, Illinois has done and Underwood has done a wonderful job to rebuild the program. Uh, there have been players who've helped that happen. Uh, we cannot, I cannot overstate what Io Sumu meant to that program. Sure. We have seen now just how talented of a basketball player he truly is, where to the point he not only is able to make the team right away with, with the Bulls, but is able to start for the Bulls and add really important minutes for a playoff team that's going to really reinvigorate a fan base. 
Io's been a big part of that. Io was a special player, and he had a tremendous amount to do with that. I think that you cannot underestimate what DeMonte Williams and especially Trent Frazier have done in their part to help rebuild Illinois basketball. And what they've done is they've taken Illinois from their most losses in school history to now to the point where they are right now back at the top of the Big Ten. They won the regular season championship. They won a share of it. Would have liked to have seen them do a little bit better in the tournament. I think maybe it would have helped their location for their seed. Had Illinois won the Big Ten tournament, I think the, the ceiling, you guys may agree or disagree, I thought that maybe Illinois could rise up to maybe a three or maybe a four, but they would have gotten the Midwest and they would have gotten a favorable path to come to Chicago. So maybe they play in Milwaukee, maybe they play in India, and then they get to come to Chicago. But as far as where they are in, in a kind of on a tangent there, I really think the program is in good shape, but they really need a Sweet 16 run. Uh, this is a program that has not made it to the second weekend since D, Darren, James, Luther. Oh, five, man. Luther, oh, five. They haven't been back there since. And last year was the chance to do that. And frankly, they did not look very good against Loyola. Loyola had a lot of reasons, a lot to do with that. But the way that I think that Underwood was outcoached and in the way that they were outplayed and Illinois didn't do well, it left a sour taste in their mouths. And this is the next step for the program. Uh, Illinois has proven they can win a Big Ten tournament. They've proven that they can win a regular season championship in a very competitive Big Ten. Now they need to make a run in the tournament. Now they need to make results in March because that's where you truly get progress. That's where you get the eyeballs of recruits, which Illinois is doing very well in, by the way. You are getting those eyeballs now. You have to make hay in March, and this is that time. So I think as far as a position goes, they're in the same position, in my mind, they were last year. They have to have this breakthrough. They did win the tournament game. That was a one versus 16. I'm never taking anything away from a tournament win because weird stuff does happen. We saw a 16 go down just a couple of years ago. But for yeah. me, the program in some ways is at a critical juncture, and I think it's really critical they get to the Sweet 16 because it would be a real shame if this era of DeMonte, of Kofi, I assume Kofi's probably going to go this year, um, and with Trent, if it goes without making a Sweet 16, that would hurt. And, and you talked about the history there uh, of not being able to break through in the tournament. That's something they were able to do in the early 2000s when I was in school, uh, doing so with the 01 group. Uh, doing so with the uh, 2002 group with uh, when Frank was still there. And then, of course, in 04 and 05, when they were in their heyday and arguably, you know, some of the greatest eras of their program. That's where they yeah. are right now. They need to break through. It is really critical, I think, that they do it. And if they don't, it's disappointing, despite all of the wonderful progress to which they have made with this program. It doesn't derail all of it. But I really think that making the Sweet 16, and I mentioned Arizona earlier, that's going to be a really difficult matchup for them. And I could they take them down? Absolutely. Illinois has shown at this time that if they're on and everybody's going right, they've got a real shot against anybody. But if something goes down that they, or if they're inconsistent or they have a lull, you know, sometimes they can fall off and they can be ripe for an upset. But in my opinion, it's really critical – for them to make a deep run, just as I felt it was last year and was so disappointing when they fell short. Despite yeah. all the great things that they did in the regular season, it's really imperative for them, for Underwood, to make a Sweet 16 run. And I do think they've got a team uh, that can get through that first round. A very good matchup with a good Chattanooga team that won the Southern Conference in the regular season and then won the tournament in dramatic fashion for those yeah. who saw Furman. Uh, and I think that they can get by Houston. Uh, and, you know, it's an interesting matchup there with Kelvin Sampson. Uh, on a little bit of a tangent here, last year looking ahead to the bracket, 
I thought a really intriguing matchup for Illinois would have been that matchup in the Elite Eight against Houston because I just wanted to see how those defenses would match up. I thought it would be a tremendous matchup. And now, hopefully, and I, I believe so, uh, you will see that matchup here coming up, hopefully, in the second round. And a critical game, a really critical game for Illinois. And like I said, same same objective, deep run. A deep run is really important for this program to take that next step after taking a number of big ones here the last few years. Yeah. You, you said you, you hit it right on the nose, Larry. I mean, the expectations are there again, and they're doable. You know, a, a second weekend spot for them is doable. You know, give you laid out the matchups potentially, you know, uh, but you know they got to play. They got to play in the right, and they got to play up to the level of their competition and down to it. They did that very, very much so against Loyola, even though we know how much Loyola can frustrate any team on any given day. They just played the worst type of game they could have played against Loyola last year, and you know it, it's it steamed me. Even when when the brackets came out, it steamed me to no end that they were. You know, the possibility was there for them to be matched up in the second round. You know, we get off a little bit this year because now we we would we would they have to meet in the elite eight. So, you know, if, if it happens this year, at least they have the sat they both programs have the satisfaction of meeting the elite eight instead of the uh, round of thirty two. But uh, they're both in Pittsburgh this year, so it's going to be a lot of Chicagoans in Pittsburgh, I guess, for the weekend. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you think of, you know, as, as we transition over to those Loyola, uh, you know, they, they come into the, this, pro, this tournament a little bit different than they have in their years as a Missouri Valley member uh, their last year, this being their last year in that conference, dominated for the most part uh, the, the Valley with, uh, you know, four uh, either regular season or tournament wins. They win the tournament this year as a four seed and really just showed again, their ability to play in, in this sort of uh, tournament format and really just, you know, uh, provide so much of themselves in the, in the small time, you know, uh, and what do you think about their chances you know, starting off with a big 10 team, Ohio state, uh, number seven seed to their 10, you know, could, could they be possibly meeting Illinois or another big school in that second weekend again? Well, I, I think anything is possible. And I think Loyola's previous work has shown that that is the case. Uh, if they had Cameron Crutwig back and you had that big presence in the middle and, and you know, you would probably, I mean, we were thinking about this. And I had this conversation the other day. If Crutwig were, were back, you'd probably pretty much, I mean, they would have probably been ranked most of the year. They would have had a lot of, you know, really a lot of, of attention. Really, he's about the only one that wasn't there. You brought back Williamson. You brought back Ugwak. You brought back a lot of other guys who were really critical to that team. And they kind of, you know, I, you know, they picked up a lot where they left, left off. You know, they had a good early season. They did a nice job, I think, to respond. They lost about a month due to the Omicron outbreak, so they didn't play for a while. Uh, you spoke of San Francisco earlier. That was a big non-conference early season yeah. win. And they got that. I think that they were off about 26 days. Uh, before they finally played that game. And they, they wound up playing it like in Utah, didn't they? Yeah, they ended up playing them in kind of a, in a neutral site court. And that was a big one yeah. at that point because those were two programs that a lot of people were looking at as, as really good mid-majors. But I think for Loyola, in, in my mind, I think that there's still a lot open for them. I, I'm really intrigued by that matchup with Ohio State because the Buckeyes are really struggling right now. You know, you've got Liddell, who really great player. And, and you know, he, I, I think that, 
there is potential on that Ohio State team where they can play really well. But for whatever reason lately, they have not. Their last good game was the one that they won in Champaign. Uh, now been a couple of weeks ago where they where they had a really explosive start to the second half. I think it was a 20 to five run that they had. Uh, we spoke of Illinois having lulls. That was it. Now that was beginning uh, end of the first half, beginning of the second half. They have a comfortable lead, and then all of a sudden they're trailing. They made a really nice comeback, but they just simply ran out of time. Right. But Ohio State's really much an X factor. I think that they have potential on that team. I think if they had played a little better, they could have made a run for the regular season championship. So I'm really intrigued. I, I think that that 7-10 game, could, you could make an argument. So that's one of the more intriguing first-round games that's out there because Ohio State, I think, has some explosive ability. But Loyola has this great tournament resume. They play really good defense, and they're a veteran squad. They've been there before. Is the, the sky the limit for Loyola? I don't know. I certainly think they can win that first game. I certainly think that they present a, a defense that can frustrate some really, really good teams. I think Drew Valentine has done a remarkable job to keep what they had there going. And I think add his own flair to it as well. And that um, that's the factor in some, I think, when you think of the overall expectations, given that they made the coaching transition and Drew mm-hmm. was in his, his first year. He's the youngest coach in D1 and all that. I mean, that has to buy him some time out and, and, mm-hmm. and make this, you know, again, continuing – the run that uh, Porter Moser sort of built, you know, it, it's, it makes him, you know, uh, put him in a good light, you know, to say the least. Yeah. And I think he, like I said, I think he's done a wonderful job and he was kind of like their main defensive guy when it came to stuff under Porter and you saw what he did against Illinois last year. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that Valentine and that group certainly have earned the respect to think that, Hey, could they make a sweet 16 run? They'd have to go through Villanova. That will not be easy, but yeah. could they pull an upset and do something in the tournament? History says yes, and these players on this team say yes. And I, I think that anything is really possible with Loyola. At the same point, Ohio State could really find themselves. And if they turn it up, suddenly they could you know, have a shot there to move on. Really intriguing 7-10 matchup. But I really like what Loyola has done, I think, from a program perspective, uh, to win the Valley Tournament the way they did, uh, to really play ex- extremely well after – you know, you know, you lose in that last game to Northern Iowa. You not only don't win the conference championship, but you fall all the way to a fourth seed, pretty much forcing them to win that tournament, or else they weren't going to the they weren't going to the NCAA's. I, if they had lost in that final game, I don't think they go, even with their great resume. But they show up, and they've been really good in March, and they've been really good in March. That history is there to where you think, hey, they might be able to do something, and if they do make another run to the you know, to the NC, if they make another run to the Sweet 16, you got to mention Drew Valentine as being one of the great young coaches in our game. And I think oh, the yeah. attention that he's going to attract uh, is going to be a ton. But really intrigued, really intrigued. And I think a guy to watch, you know, that I mentioned is, is a lot is Lucas Williamson, uh, the the former Whitney Young High School star, what he's been able to do there and the role he's taken on to not only be an elite defender now, but also take on the role of scorer for Loyola. I think he's established himself as one of the great players in the history of that program, uh, not only for his contributions to the 2018 team that made the Final Four, and he did that as a freshman, uh, but also the contributions he made last year in the run and this one. So I'm, I'm really excited that I think that the nation's going to get a chance to see uh, one of Chicago's very own and the contributions he's made. And I think if they do something really big in this tournament, he's going to have a lot to do with that, not only on defense, but I think in, in the scoring category as well. Okay. Now, in, in your – I don't know how many brackets you made, but 
it, you could pick whatever whatever one that is dearest to you or that or that you think is most uh, legitimate of your of your opinion. But in in, in your in your real bracket, where do you ha- where do you have Illinois and uh, uh, well, meeting or meeting or not meeting in that region? In, in my heart of heart, well, my heart bracket says that my dream is that Illinois truly plays up to their potential. Kofi is on the whole time. Those guards play well. You see uh, Alfonso Plummer is someone I probably should have mentioned earlier. But oh, when yeah. he shoots the lights out, he's outstanding. And I and he was outstanding in a number of stretches uh, you know, during the end of the year. Uh, if we could see Andre Corbello really reach his full potential. You know, that concussion early in the season really knocked him out, you know, really, really set him back a little bit. But he had moments, too. If this Illinois team hits, could they go to the Final Four? Yes. And you're going to say I'm an alum, and that's what it is. But this Illinois team has the potential. The issue is going to be can they find it and not have one of those, you know, really bad lulls like we just talked about against Ohio State, you know, which lost in that game. My heart, my 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 realistic one has Loyola winning a very, very good game against Ohio State and then losing what I believe will be a very competitive game to Villanova. As far as Illinois goes, I think Illinois gets by Chattanooga. I think that's a, a really good matchup, but I think they get by them. And then I think they beat Houston. I think that this group comes together and takes a major step in the program. And I think a major step to get to the Sweet 16. I mentioned Arizona before, really strong team. I would not be surprised if they're raising the trophy on championship Monday night. In my mind, if I had to pick a bracket of true, that's where I'd have it going. I'd have Illinois going to the Sweet 16 and falling in a competitive game to Arizona. But – that's why they play the tournament. If I had to pick one, if I had to pick the rational bracket, that would be the picks that I would have for for the local teams. Yeah, well, my, my rational bracket has money behind it, so mm-hmm. Illinois didn't go as far in that bracket. But my heart of hearts bracket, because because I've watched Illinois since '92 and I love the program, even though I'm not in the law. I had them going to the Final Four. Actually, right. I, yeah. I have them actually beating Tennessee in that in that lead eight. They, I'd love uh, to see it. I'd love yeah. to be proven wrong. I mean, I'd love to see it. I think it would be great. And it'd be great for – there's nothing wrong ever with having a team from the state of Illinois go all the way to the Final Four. It's great. It's it's good for exposure. It's good for recruiting. It's good for, for fans. I hope it happens. Um, and I, and I, go happen. by, I go by the theorem of Chicago slash Illinois sports where they do the most when you don't expect it. So last year's team would have had no chance because they would have been ex- expected to go to Illinois. <laughs> yeah. To final four, but this year the expectations fall back some, and then they break. They 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 have the elements to break through. You know, I, I sure hope so, and and I think it would be tremendous, and I think it would be tremendous. And you know, one thing that's interesting, if you take a look at Illinois basketball, they've only really made those uh, final four when they've been a number one. So this could be the first time that they've really made. You know, you spoke that of that. True, yeah. Sometimes make runs. They could really make a run. They, you know, we've looked at it like, could this be the year they do it? Maybe this is the year they get through. The year that I'll always wonder about, guys, and I don't know if you agree, Kyle. I always will wonder what that 2020 team might have done because they were, mm. they had, they were sneaky good. They were opportunistic. They were playing really well at the right time. They looked like a team that was a team that I could have seen maybe going to the Final Four as a seven, and I think they were lined up to get a six or a seven seed. That's going to always be a big what if to me. And I think if that 2020 team had played, I think that they would have had that experience in 2021. They would not have had a bow out like that. You know, proving how 2020 fates go, that's always an interesting one. You bring that up 
because I bring up, hey, what's a year Illinois could have really made a run as a surprise? I think 2020 would have been crazy. I think it could have been something really special. I agree with you, Larry. That it's so many, so many programs that I think you know uh, miss out on. You know, just wonder about 2020. Did you did you hear yeah. about like uh, Florida State putting up a banner for that year? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I like, mean, they're another. You know, that could have been because the they won the ACC that year. It's like okay, well, you know, well, you didn't do anything else. With no. it. I mean, nobody else did it. But. Oh gosh, that was a bizarre moment because that was so that so here's a bizarre moment for that one. In Florida State, got the ACC championship trophy before the whole tournament was called off. So I remember watching it on ESPN because they were supposed to play. So the, the ACC just decided to award the conference tournament trophy to Florida State since they won it. And it was very eerie. There were probably 20 people in there, and it kind of foretold what was coming. And I always remember that because it's funny you mentioned Florida State, but I always remember that, them taking it on the floor, and everybody's like, we may not have a tournament. We may not have fans. We don't know what's going to happen. It was just a very eerie moment. That's what I'll always remember that Florida State team for. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of stories. It's, it's a lot of stories come from that, that are going to be coming from that point of time. And there's there's this one um, one thing before we go. Actually, I'll mention it because it, it's another uh, local angle. Is that uh, actually uh, I, I saw a story uh, recently about how Chicago State was actually the first school, the first program to call off any mm-hmm. sort of game back in 2020. Like everybody. Like I guess as a society or whatever, sports society, we all think about what happened in Utah with Rudy Gobert and the cancellation of that game. I think it was with Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. uh, Oklahoma City, I mean, mm-hmm. and yep. that being where everything really started. But there was a story on, uh, I think, NBC Digital that had, uh, you know, it told the story about Chicago. And I didn't know about that history uh, until reading that. I heard a little bit about it. I'm trying to remember. I remember hearing about it really, you know, it's funny, all that stuff kind of blends together uh, when it comes to those couple days there, because well, I spoke of that Iowa win. that was what, four days before, I think they all shut it down. And that was a full 16,000 in Champaign, you know, one of the better atmospheres that they'd had there in a number of years. And that little did you know, they wouldn't even play the big 10 tournament. Everybody was fired up. This could be the best, best big 10 tournament ever. And well, it was for a day. <laughs> they got at least one day of games in. So yeah, but going go back to Chicago State, uh, the story tells it was on March fourth, and they uh, they were the first program for North America's four major sports uh, to cancel any game because of the coronavirus. So, okay. you know, that's that's just a, a weird little bit of history that uh, mm-hmm. I, I put the link up in our in our yeah. uh, comments, but. Uh, yeah. A little bit also, of history that that gets attributed to Chicago State, the school that you know not many people think of. You know, hey, congratulations to Chicago State though they pulled off one of the big upsets of the college basketball season. New they beat yeah. State. They did. We yeah. actually did a story, a story on them when they did that because it was it was incredible. Uh, now it was that they pulled that off. It was I think statistically one of the greater upsets. You know, they didn't have. I think they ended up with seven wins this year, seven or eight. Um, but they that was a huge upset that they pulled. I know New Mexico State was down a few – they were down a few players. But the fact that they even won that game was incredible. I remember seeing that come across on that Saturday. I'm like, that's huge. You know, and New Mexico State obviously would end up going to the tournament. 
But speaking yeah. of Chicago State, you know, as they, as they look to really try to build something there, that was an interesting moment they had in this college basketball season. Well, you, you, you can't just walk into the Emil Jones Convocation Center and think you're going to get a win, you know, like that. You know, that's that, that Chicago State letting you know how they do it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, man, Larry, man, I want to uh, – Thank you, man, for giving some time. I know you're you're in the studio right now, uh, getting I'm, I'm sure getting things set up for later with the broadcast and everything. But uh, we're gonna continue on with the rest of this hour and talk a little bit more about the tournament and uh, preview the Bulls and uh, Jazz, uh, which is tipping off at eight o'clock. But before you know, it got any spare thoughts on the Bulls right now since we have you. Well, I think that we're seeing, you know, that there's so much excitement and so much that have been built up of that. And I think a lot of that had to do with the frustration of the late Gar Pax years, the, the post-Rose years. And it built up and, and it brought such excitement. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And people are thinking, is the sky the limit here? What is it going to be here with the Bulls? You know, is this, is this a championship team? Things have come down to earth. You know, you looked at the schedule in the second half and you knew it was going to be difficult. You'd like to see him do a little bit better against some of the elite teams. But you knew these, this was going to happen, you know, when you don't have Lonzo Ball, uh, when you didn't have uh, Alex Caruso and, and haven't had Patrick Williams all year long. So none of this is a surprise. I, I don't feel I don't feel like, oh, my God, the world is coming down for the Bulls. They Things have just come back a little bit to earth. You know, right now they're still on track to win about 50 games. The hope for them is to go ahead and get at least a home floor advantage in that first round and win a playoff series. I think it'd be great for them to win a playoff series. They don't have to, you know, win the championship this year. Uh, you know, the Eastern Conference is wide open. So, yeah, if they catch real fire, they could do something. But I think for me it's just kind of seeing how this rides out, seeing where they can improve, seeing if whenever Lonzo does come back, and I know, I know the road seems a little bit rougher at least, uh, from what I've heard, seen and heard uh, than maybe it was originally thought. But I'm curious to see how this Bulls season evolves. But I really think kind of like Illinois where I say, hey, it'd be really great for them to break through and make the Sweet 16. I think it'd be great for the Bulls to go out there and win a first-round uh, first playoff series. And, you know, are they going to have anything for the Sixers? They haven't. I mean, let's be fair. They really haven't had anything for them. Uh, the Bucks have, have beaten them, you know, obvi obviously. And the Heat have had, had their success against them. But I, I think it's really important that the Bulls do that. So while I know that there's some negative thoughts now around the Bulls, I don't think much in my mind changes. You're just seeing them now, things even out against some of this competition. And we're going to get an idea of, of what they're really made of as, as we approach the playoffs, as they get battle-tested, as Billy Donovan said a number of times. So I'm really curious to see what they take. I believe it's 16 games left, Kyle, I think, that they have. I'm really curious to see how they do it, with the goal being to just finish in that top four so they can be at home, they can try to win a playoff series, which would be a remarkable breakthrough uh, for this team as they, again, reshape their franchise, uh, you know, under AK and, and under Eversley and under Billy Donovan. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to look at it to me. It's like you can't go from zero to 60 in one season. You can't go from, you know, an afterthought to a complete championship team, a champ even a championship threat in one year in the NBA. Like, it, you know, it rarely happens. But and, and if there's any staying power, if you want to have any staying power with it, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can't expect it all to happen at once. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, this will be another challenge tonight against Utah. And, and, and it's not an easing up really in those last uh, 16 or so games. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes, Larry. But uh, 
again, thank you for coming on with us. And, uh, you know, of course, for those who don't know, producer, source producer at WGN, you know, let people know, you know, how they connect can connect with you or just simply follow your work. I know you guys are doing a lot more online uh, and uh, mm -hmm. YouTube and stuff and everything. Yeah. So, so my roles transition to a digital role. So we're doing WGN News now, which is news that we do only on the web. So we do, you know, broadcasting, live segments. I do WGN News Now Sports Talk. For those of you who remember CLTV Sports Feed, kind of continuing the in the realm of that where we try to feature, you know, young and upcoming journalists, uh, journalists who are maybe working for different websites and not working for, you know, the major ones, you know, those who do writing here and there, those who do blogging. We like to feature them and, and give their voice and their opinion a, a place here in the Chicago landscape. So trying to do that as well. So we're doing that on the website. You can see that at WGNTV.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is Hawley Sports. That's H-A-W-L-E-Y Sports. It's all one word on Twitter. Uh, also on Instagram, uh, lhawley 80 So I try to do work on there as well. Uh, my work's on WGNTV.com. Uh, most of it's on the sports page or on the WGN News Now page. And again, hoping to kind of continue that legacy that we had on CLTV Sports Feed of featuring as many local journalists and really kind of expanding our reach uh, to a number of different people. So uh, we are I'm always excited. If you know somebody who's really good and you want to suggest somebody who you think would be great. Hey, I'm um, pointing to one right now. Yeah. And I had Josh <laughs> on a little bit and Drew, we like so we can get you on it at some point here. And, and like I said, yeah, you know, Drew, certainly uh, we'll certainly have you on at some point. I'm hoping to expand that as we go along. Right now, I'm probably doing maybe two interviews a week, hoping to expand it more as we kind of get in now as we get into about a year of the project. So, um, and Kyle, I'll have you on sometime. I'll have to bring you on. It'll be great. It'll be a little bit, yeah, overdue, you know, if I have to say so. <laughs> no, it's no. overdue. There's a lot of people from Sports Feed I've got to get back to. Uh, I've had, uh, I'm trying to think, yeah, there's a lot of them. I, I know I had Kenneth on. Uh, Kenneth was one of the first ones I had on, I think. I think Kenneth was yeah. fairly early. And Josh, I think you were around the new year-ish. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was uh, like you... slightly after the new year. Yeah, new year. Because we were talking Bulls, obviously, at that point. And then we talked a little bit of DePaul basketball. So, yeah. Um, but, well, uh, yeah, but on the real, though, you've done so much to really showcase our guys really? here uh, yeah. with War Media, man. So we really appreciate that throughout the years. Yeah, anytime. Happy and, to do uh, it. You know. Glad to, like I said, glad to have you on and, and, and really happy for the work that you're doing, man. Continue. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the invite always. All right. Good luck with your brackets. <laughs> no, thank you. Hey, cross, cross, cross your fingers. We never know. Never know <laughs> with Illinois. You never know with Illinois. And Loyola, too. We'll just see. Definitely. That's why they call it madness. Definitely. That's exactly why I call it madness. <laughs> well, uh, Larry, we'll, uh, we'll check up with you again, and uh, we'll try to get you back on soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. See you, man. Take care. What's going on? And as Larry leaves, we bring in another guy Larry could pay some attention to, Gabriel Wilkins. How y'all doing? With our four-man okay. set up back. Sleepy, man. Sleepy. <laughs> man, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had today off, so I'm pretty good, actually, so. But uh, I appreciate you, brothers, for making the effort to uh, to to jump on another show here. And um, you know, I guess as as I we we continue on a little bit with the college talk, I hope uh, you know, I hope you guys are getting your your brackets in for the war bracket challenge. 
I am putting some. If you saw I'm putting some money up for y'all, yeah, so you may want to get on that. But uh, <laughs> email. Did you did you see the message, Drew? No, nah, no, nah, I think I might have missed that. I caught that. See? I caught that right before I went to work today. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta see um, what that's looking like for sure. <laughs> yeah, I said I put some money up for y'all, so this is the only way you're gonna get some money out of me this year. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but I want to, I want, to, what's, what's that look for, Josh? <laughs> you know, I just noticed it myself. I'm not, I'm not like Drew looking for the email because I didn't see it either. So when you said it and you put the money up, I was like, okay, you know, I sent it to okay. you. Cool, I sent cool. it to you. <laughs> you better check again. Before you let me in here, before you let me in here to talk with you guys, that's what I was looking at. I was actually looking at the bracket, seeing how things measured up because I was working on selection Sunday night too. So I got a chance to see a little bit of it, but I'm like, okay, now I'm looking at the matchups. I'm like, yeah, by the by the end of the evening or whatever, I'll fill it out. <laughs> but you know, I say I don't know how much y'all know about any of the teams, anything in the match, like, you know, how you going to, how you guess, you're going to guess by colors or, 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 or uh, mascots or whatever. I don't know. Like that game, like I ain't doing that. No. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't keep up with it. Like I used to, like from, I'm going to say 2008 to about like 15. Oh, I was watching a lot of college basketball and from 11 oh, to 15 yeah. undergrad. So, I was definitely keeping up with it. I was a big, you know, Kentucky fan and whatnot, watching those programs at Calipari. Still a big follower of those programs. But I, I see a lot of upsets, and I see a lot of teams, specifically one and two seeds, that aren't like one and two seeds of old. Um, yeah. Compared to when I watched college basketball, where it was like, you know, they were dominant powerhouses and forces to be reckoned with. I don't really see a true number one team um, in this year's tournament or a powerhouse program where it's like there are two of them where they're on a co collision course, like what we saw last year with Baylor and Gonzaga. I don't see right. that this year. Now, Gabe, what's, what, is there one team that – because for me that team is, is – this team is USC, but is there like a dark horse or a Cinderella that you just really feel like, you know, you, know, you, you just really just – whatever, however your thinking process is, you just really feel that they are bound to make a run this year? Um, one of them is Memphis, you know, with the way that they've okay, been playing yeah. at the American, even though they took a tough loss in the um, finals to Houston, you know, they beat Houston two out of three times this year. They beat Alabama when they were a top 10 program. And I think that's going to be a hell of a matchup for Gonzaga coming out of round one, um, which they should be expected to, you know, as a one seed to face that, that Memphis squad, if they're able to overcome Boise State in the West. Um, which to me is like the toughest region because you got Gonzaga seeded number one, Duke number two, but then you also got like sleepers like Michigan State, like, you know, Michigan State yeah. and Duke in round two. That could be a hell of a matchup as well. So that West is going to be very interesting. You got Texas Tech. I just feel like Memphis, though, with Jalen Duran, you know, and that Chet Holmgren matchup, that's going to be a, a very great matchup to see. You talking about two lottery picks. Um, meeting up in round two if that if the bracket goes according to how everyone thinks it'll go. And Penny Hardaway got something to prove. Like, this is his first time in the tournament. Um, granted, it's Noah Monty Bates, 
you know, with his back injury and whatnot, no one really knows what his future, what the program is at this point. But he's had a lot of players step up in his absence, such as like Alex Lomax and um, Lester Quinones and other guys. I, I think they're going to be a real fun team to watch. And I think Memphis is real excited. And one thing about that city, like it's a basketball town. A lot of people don't really realize that. But just following the program from the Calipari era, like that's always been a big time program. Definitely, definitely. I, it, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about Memphis last week too, in the way that, you no, know, like I say, the season just unfolded in a way that they didn't expect, but really gained a lot, regained a lot more momentum in the past in this last month, and uh, they definitely could be dangerous, and you know, and you know, but I, I like I, I I like USC. I like you mentioned Michigan State. In my in my heart of hearts bracket, I got them beating Duke in the second round. So you know, I think you know, I think that that's again, they ain't no money. Well, there is money on that one, but it's my money anyway. So it, it'll just be me keeping my money. So that's why I'm a little wilder on that one. But the one I did on on Bet MGM is different. So that's how you got to do it, you know. <laughs> understand <laughs> yeah but I, I don't know josh let me i want to speak to you about the uh you know you got like i said the paul the women representing chicago and, and they're playing a playing game uh for an 11 seed you know what what has the uh the you know, talk a little bit about anisa morrow last week you know how's the buzz been around uh that team uh going to you know with with knowing it's draw now and everything and Going into the tournament, um, a sigh of relief, um, and I say that because if you asked any of us on campus if they thought DePaul was going to make that tournament, we didn't think they would. Um, especially since with the way they came out of that Big East and got crushed by Marquette, like we all thought that was like the icing on the cake. Season's done for. They'll probably make the NIT. And, you know, try to do something that way. But for them to get that play in, that I'm not going to lie. That was a shocker to me. I was like, whoa, okay, so we have a chance. All right, let's see what, let's see what we come up with. Um, and But I know overall, this is what the team wanted. This is what Anissa Morrow wanted. This is what Lexi Held wanted. This is what Sonya Morris wanted. They wanted a chance to redeem themselves after missing the NCAA tournament for the past couple of years and not being able to – live up to as high expectations that they set for themselves. So now that they have that opportunity, how far do they go? That's to be determined because, you know, they struggled offensively, haven't been the same. But at this point, they're riding on their, their, their lead. They're going with their lead in Anissa Morrow. And with the way she's been playing, you know, 26 double-doubles on a year, breaking records left and right, uh, national player of the year candidate, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so I just think DePaul always has a chance with the, when Anissa Morrow's on the court. It's going to be up to the surrounding players, and of, of especially the senior leadership, Sonia Morris and Lexi Hell, who this is the, this is their last go around. Deja Church, who's a grad uh, student, like these these are the the final go arounds for this year, and they, I know they want to go out with a bang. So hopefully this will be you know they have a good chance to at least make some type of noise in this women's tournament. But overall. I, you know, people were shocked that they made it this far. 
That's 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 good that they able to finish their season in the tournament and not the NIT. You know, none you know, none wrong with the NIT if 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 you don't have any other choice. But you know, uh, you, you, you want to get to the you want to get to the big <laughs> tournament, and uh, it just a, another showcase again for one of the best freshmen in college basketball, men or women, and Anissa Morrow. So uh, definitely glad to see that. Is that going to be a Friday game or? No, they play tonight, 8 p.m. Oh, oh yeah, the plans. Okay, well, they're in the playing 8 game. 8 p.m. Okay, well, yeah, well, that'll be right after we go go off. So that's be another thing to check out along with the Bulls tonight. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a lot going on with with uh, you know, the local scene and and there's been some years recently where there's been nothing going on, like no men's teams, no women's teams. So you know, you gotta be a little bit thankful that you know we get to see some competition here uh, from the local side and get to see some some local kids, you know, who came up through Chicago scene and everything, get to show themselves on on the uh, in the big dance. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to how uh, see everything plays out and see as many other people go as far as possible, uh, you know, in the tournament. And we and uh, oh, another thing, uh, another connection, you, you, your cousin Marquette, uh, facing North Carolina in, in that East. And that, that East, I think, if you talk about who may be the weakest number one seed, it's probably that Baylor team in that East bracket, man. So, you know, if Marquette wins that game against Carolina in the first round, you may have a, a doable number one to knock off there that can, you know, bounce uh, Marquette, you know, Shaka Smart and company into that Sweet 16 there. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You can never count on Shaka Smart in the big moments. Oh. Uh, we saw what he's done with VCU and how he took them, I think, to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight during his time there. Um, and yeah, yeah, big big So, yeah, he, it's, it, you can never count on Shaka Smart in those big moments. And Marquette does have a pretty nice squad this year. And considering, you know, we're talking about how, you know, how Larry was talking about the Bulls and how over, year, over time and just within this year they already exceeded expectations. Marquette did the same thing. They had nine new players on this roster come from, from last year with living first-year head coach and Shaka Smart. And for them to be able to pull off a top-five team in the Big East uh, in the Big East Conference and beating a lot of ranked teams and was ranked, actually ranked at one point, um, they were – they, you know, proven themselves to where they are, are forced to, to reckon with. And I think – you know, with all the, with all the team heading in since they lost that first round matchup, I believe, I believe the Creighton, uh, they they got redemption on their on their sleeves, and they they're gonna want to take advantage of that against a top team like North Carolina. For them to do that, is is very much doable. Um, and then you talk about Baylor too. I think they have they have a pretty good chance if they stick defensively and and the offense picks up, they have a good chance to uh, to beat the top of the top, especially that number one seed in Baylor, and that's what we live for in March Madness. So, obviously, in my heart of hearts, I have Marquette going pretty far. But you know, I think they, I think they really do have a realistic chance of taking on uh, North Carolina, winning North, competing North Carolina, and using using that momentum to, if all those fails, play a hard fought game against Baylor to where they have a good chance of overtaking that, overtaking the number one seed as well. No doubt, no doubt. And I, I know we've been talking about it throughout the season about uh, about your cousin. But let for those who may be watching the show for the first time in a while or whatever, you know, let, let everybody know who your cousin is on. Cam, my cousin Cam Jones, cousin Cam. You know, he was the uh, 
It was the not one of the three unanimous selections for all freshman team in the Big East this year. Mm. So uh, he's definitely making some noise and putting the, the the conference on notice. So I'm happy for him, proud of him. And he did a little bit of his thing while he was in New York, but now now it's the big it's the big stage. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching and supporting him do his thing out there in that East region. I'm, I'm wishing him the best. We all are. We all are. All right. So we are uh, we hitting the bottom of the hour here, seven o'clock hour, uh, just about a half hour to tip with the Bulls and Jazz. And uh, let's get into some Bulls talk. Um, you know, they 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 looked like they were starting to get some momentum back, got a couple wins in the bag, uh, you know, but then you know, Caruso comes back and uh, you know. But then it's sort of, you know, they start off with this West Coast trip on Monday in Sacramento. And, and really, I just overall just not the type of effort that you would want in that game. And they and they lose pretty decisively. Uh, you know, Drew, I'll start off with you, man. What, what, what are your thoughts on the team at the moment? And, you know, how, you know, are you putting any any particular onus on this game tonight or what? Man, let me tell y'all, man. I, I was I was drinking that Kool-Aid hard, man. I was drunk. I was drunk off that Kool-Aid, man. You know, better or worse, y'all want to blame me for it or not, man. I just wish that we could have seen this team, you know, not have the amount of injuries and the impact that the injuries have made on the team and, and what they've been able to do while certain guys have been out of the line. I wish that didn't have to happen so we could see this team at full strength against some of these other elite teams in the conference um or in the in the league in general but last night was probably the most disappointing loss of the season i think before mm. this one i would have told you that the game they lost in miami um when the rosen didn't play um and jimmy butler and Adebayo didn't play and they still ended up losing that game i would have told you before last night that that was the worst one but you know with with what was at stake and them having a tougher schedule of any team in the league coming up. Uh, you know, they got Utah tonight, um, the Suns Friday. Then I think they got Toronto Monday, then Milwaukee after that. It's like, man, you, you got to take care of business in, in these games that you're supposed to win. Yeah. Um, you know, hearing Zach Levine's comments about not only him and his mind state in terms of, just willing himself to get past whatever he's feeling in that that knee, and as well as the team just coming out and hitting first, like it was eerily similar to some of the things we heard last season when they were fighting for that play in, and there just was a certain level that they just they just weren't meeting, like they weren't coming out playing as if their play in lives were at stake, and it's, it's disappointing, you know, as, as an observer of this team as somebody who wants to see them do well that. I don't know if they think they can turn it on and off or whatever it is they're searching for. It's disappointing that, you know, it has to be pulled out of them, um, especially with the amount of guys on this team that have chips on their shoulders, you know. Right. I, at, at, at this point, this game tonight, every game moving forward is like a playoff game for these dudes um, because they can't afford to drop any, I would say, any further than they are right now. Um, if I'm betting, if it's my money, the only team I feel comfortable putting money on them beating in the first round is the Cavs. And for them to face the Cavs right now, they would have to move up to that third spot. Mm. 
And I just I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not I'm not really to, not really ready to um you know give up hope yet, but it's just just being more realistic, kind of like what, what uh Larry was talking about earlier, just seeing what this team has. Knowing that Zach Levine, you gotta look through a little a little wider yeah. scope right now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Now, in, in yeah. my defense, again, injuries have played a major role. This thing with Zach Levine's knee, yeah, they keep saying that he can't do any further damage, and that it's all mental. But you, you, we're not sure. You, we can't say what Zach Levine we're gonna get on a night to night basis. I heard Patrick Williams may may play, maybe a long shot. He might come back from Monday's game. He's been cleared for a full contact practice. That helps, but we're still waiting on Lonzo Ball. We don't know how well he's going to be moving on that knee. Um, this is a lot, a lot of things up in the air, probably more so than any other team in the East, including Brooklyn. Because even though we don't know what's going to happen with the mandate in New York, we don't know where Brooklyn's going to end up and whether or not in that playing game, if they're going to have to go travel to Toronto and not have Kyrie, they still got Durant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That they can fall back on. We don't know what's going on, Bill. We're not sitting on anybody who could just give us six. Yeah, man. As, as cold as the road has been, we, we we start to see like the Miamis, even the Raptors last night, the Kings of the world. They they've shown Billy Donovan what teams might do and can do to take the ball out of his hands and take advantage of the other guys on the team who maybe aren't used to being in that position, taking advantage of Zach Levine, maybe not having the right mind frame or mind state. And, you know, it, it just – I hope that they can take from that and learn from that and be able to figure out what they can do if the situation presents itself again. But, again, it's just a lot of ifs, man. Yeah. It's a lot of ifs. Yeah. Josh, Gabe, anything next? I was at the game. I was at the game against Cleveland on Saturday. Yeah. Um, when Caruso returned. And you can feel what Drew is talking about. Like, yeah, every game right now is a playoff game. But it should it should be this way. And I don't think if you if you a Bulls fan, you shouldn't want it to be no other way. You talk about a team that's young, very inexperienced if you take away the vets, such as DeMar DeRozan, Tristan Thompson, who has a ship, um, you know, Alice Caruso, who has a ship. Um, and Lonzo, who's somewhat of a veteran, even though he's in his fifth season, you take those guys away. A lot of these guys are young. You know, they they're they're not used to playing in these environments where you haven't sell out crowds every night and so forth. But it's a night and day difference watching the team um, at the United Center. And I've been to two games this season. I'm gonna go to a couple of more for the playoffs round. Um, it's a night and day difference watching them when they play at home compared to when they play on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think they feed off of that crowd a lot. Um, that was noticeable against Cleveland on Saturday as well. And I think, you know, they could take Cleveland in the best of seven. I understand why Drew was saying that because outside of the Bulls, that is the youngest team in the Eastern Conference that will more than likely be in the playoff picture um, when it's all said and done. So I can understand why you would want that matchup. But at the same time, you know, and yeah, teams have shown what they're going to do. They're going to double tomorrow. I can I can just see that. Um, just going, you know, watching the game against Cleveland and whatnot. When it when the game slows down and it gets in the half court, they're gonna double him. And, and he's gonna, gonna take them shots too. Yeah, and it's gonna force it's gonna force guys like Javante though when he has to kick it to be ready to shoot. And I can tell that the pressure is getting to some of those guys, and guys are getting ready for the grind because I got to the game an hour early. I see Javante Green practicing on his three-point shot. I see Kobe practicing, you know, catching shoots. 
and whatnot, working on his hand because he knows when the time comes, his number's going to be called upon to make a lot of plays in isolation when the plays break down. So, I mean, you you can tell that they're getting ready for that next season. And, yeah, Sacramento was a, was a bad loss. Um, The guy that I would really be worried about is Vucevic. And he would be somebody that if I was a coach in that locker room, I would tell him everything starts and ends with you. Because when they when he's clicking like he was on Saturday night, putting up 20 and 15, yeah. whether he's the second or third option, they need that every single night from him. Because if he's not able to give that to them and you're doubling DeMar, I mean, where are you going to get it from consistently? Or who can you trust consistently to keep giving you that night in and night out what DeMar has given you? You know, Zach, we don't know. You know, he, he's, he, of course, I can see him missing a few more games as he gets into the home stretch of the season. But, I mean, it, it's certain times where he's settling for shots and stuff, you know, like it, it, when you got smaller matchups, bully them, you know, go inside. And he, he's going to have to find a way to meet this game up, especially as he gets into his veteran years in the league. And you can't let, you can't let Sabonis, as good a player as he is, out physical you in the game yeah. like he did on Monday because that's the that's just the worst sign given yeah. who you're gonna have to go against in the playoffs. Yeah, you know. So I, I, yeah, that was like I said that was that was a rough game for him on Monday and a rough game for the guys overall. But uh Josh, you got anything you want to throw at? Man, look, everybody needs that secret stuff. At the end of the day, everybody needs that secret stuff because. You guys hit it all on the head, Every, especially with the Vucevic part. Everything starts and ends with Vucevic. But this is what also makes Zach Levine so valuable because when he is fully healthy, no injuries, you get last year's version where he is a three-level scorer, give me 28 points at any given night, and, and his explosiveness has been, is, is can put him in better situations where he can be more active in different ways. This injury with his knee is kind of limiting him so much that we don't get to see the consistent Zach Levine that we deserve. And quite frankly, this team honestly probably relied on, aside from the fact from a strong Vucevic as a third option. So when DeMar is being double teamed, we look for Zach Levine to be that next guy to step up and dominate like he did in that first half of the season before, before, the, before the injury kicked in. Like, we're we not going to have that for the rest of the season. So, just like Vucevic goes with, you know, with, just like Vucevic as far as everything starts and finishes and ends with him, Zach Levine is the X factor of all this. And when he's not fully healthy, it's going to limit the Bulls from an offensive perspective that they rely, that have to rely on heavenly because even though you have guys like Kobe White that can do it, he's not fully doing it on a consistent basis, especially in big-time moments where he's not accustomed to. Um, and you don't have any other option like that really on your bench. So I, I, I want Zach Levine to be able to give the best that he can, but at the same time, if it's limiting the Bulls, you can't really trust to rely on Zach Levine to give you the product that you need to get over the hump, especially if Vooch is not playing up to the level of competition he needs to play at in order for them to even give him a chance. And that's the unfortunate situation that plays along with the fact that I think once we get Lonzo coming back and we get Patrick Williams back and they at least can get some type of a chemistry together with this team, we'll be in a way better position for sure. But but do you actually put too much pressure on Lonzo to be that, that second option now when he was originally maybe the third option? Because from an offensive perspective, that's a lot to put on the plan's plate 
That's coming back from a torn meniscus. I mean, that's something we have to keep in mind of moving forward with this constru- currently constructed Bulls roster. But everybody needs that secret stuff. Everybody needs to stay whatever you need to get yourself in that protein, your body's right and everything. Everybody needs it right now because without that, I, you don't know what's in store for the Bulls moving forward. We're like on the teeter line of making it past the first round and possibly getting bounced. Like, that's pretty much where the Bulls are at right now. I'm looking at the starters for tonight. Uh, so much can read from the, the team, from its starters, from game to game, and, you know, just overall construction of the roster right now, the, where the minutes are going, you know, we're going against a, a, a big team in Utah. They use big – they got a big front line. And, you know, once again, we got DeMar DeRozan starting at four. And, you know, he's next to Vucevic. Uh, you know, Javante is at three. And um, you got Io at the one with Zach in the backcourt. You know, is that a, is that a starting five that – is this is this a game where we should probably have Tristan out there at the beginning, or is this you know uh, can can they out athletic or out out athlete Utah? Is that they try? I don't I don't I don't, I don't quite get this lineup in uh, in, in this game a hundred percent. You know I don't I don't, I don't know. He's been sticking with that lineup for a long time now. And yeah, I'm, I'm not, that, I'm that's not, the thing. It's, just I'm not, not, not seeing adjustments. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, not shocked by that, though. I, I'm not shocked by that, though, because that's Billy Donovan. And I think at some point mm-hmm. we're going to have to have a conversation about him. Um, I'm not going to say right now, but within, like, the next couple of months, depending on how the playoffs will turn out. And it's all going to come down to matchups, you know, who they play. Um, Zach, I don't, like – Zach, even Zach could be 50%. He's not trying to miss this because you got to think about something. Zach has never played in the playoffs. He wants a taste of that very bad. And it's showing. So, you know, unless they have a back-to-backs or whatever, he's not trying to miss too many games. But yeah. that lineup, I'm not I'm not shocked by it. Of course, I mean, I understand the argument for Tris. But even if you put Tris out there, I mean, hell, Utah lining up Gobert and then uh, Bogdanovich, like even them guys are bigger. You know, they mm-hmm. front line, they got Rudy Gay that they can come, you know, call upon off the bench or whatnot. So, uh, white side. So, either way, they got the advantage size wise. Yeah. And also, like right now, we know that the Bulls' offense is their strength. If you throw Tristan out there with Vucevic, you hurt their strength because. You make Vucevic have to play outside, which we know that that dude's outside shot has been iffy to say the best this year. It it is it, just it clogs things up a lot more when you have um, Tristan on the floor with DeRozan. Like he shot DeRozan needs to get to the middle, and you know, Tristan is of course he's not a threat whatsoever from outside. As much as we talk about Javante Green, um, so I think I, I, I see what you're saying, Kyle, and. The double big lineup is something I would have. I wished Donovan would have deployed against the Memphis Grizzlies when they had Stephen Adams and um, Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. Not necessarily to start, but especially down the stretch. And Gabe, you make a great point about having conversations about Donovan. I don't think it's the lineups because I, I like the fact that he's 
he's not he's not he's not married to any starting five or any combination. Like he likes to kind of see where it's going. The thing that I um, have questions about are his rotations when he's pulling guys out when a certain five has something going, they seem to have it, have it cooking. Then he comes and makes some rotations and things start to kind of fall apart from there. I think he did that in the game last night, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, y'all know this. I, I know, you know, very little basketball compared to Billy Donovan, but if we're going to gripe about something, that's probably what I would, what I would gripe about. Um, but we'll, we'll see moving forward. Like I said, Kyle, you got, that's a great point um, in terms of, matchups and trying to see where Tristan you got Tristan you got him presumably because you want to be able to help you on on the on the glass um and figuring out just when to when to use that well if and for what y'all say like it's like you know Gabe it makes sense like they're so deep in in in, in the front court I think my thinking was about you know how you're going to get abused on on the boards you know and that's something that it's been routine for the Bulls anyway this year that they've been out rebounded, but I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on them in their playmaking and their in their shot making. They got to shoot a little better than average, I think, in this game and do it from an early point. They can't get off to a slow start, and um, you know, hopefully that'll be the case for them. But again, you know, I would feel a little better the better about their ability to do that if Caruso was starting as opposed to Io. But you know, we'll you know we'll just have to see. Somebody got to, you know, you know maybe maybe Zach will be in in his prime form tonight as well as as uh you know uh, as well as Debo. But you know, I I think they could they could definitely use that tonight. Yeah, they better, be better be in their A game on the A form tonight because Donovan coming off of a ten for thirty two night from the field against Milwaukee. And he had a horrible two-minute to three-minute stretch in the fourth quarter against Milwaukee the other night. Mm. I know he's kind of pissed off about that. You could just tell, like, he committed a silly foul and stuff. Like, he's going to come out on fire. Everybody needs a Kool-Aid. <laughs> Man, I need my own Kool-Aid. The, the, thing that's, um, <laughs> the thing that's worrying me about tonight is that when they beat Utah earlier in the season, they lost that rebounding battle, I think, 54 to 45. Yep. But – they only had nine turnovers. Utah had 20, and they scored 25 points off those turnovers. Ball oh, and yeah. had four apiece. Now, where is that extra offense coming from? You know, I don't – Cruz or the sumo, as, as, good of, as good of a defender as he's been or as he is, I don't know that he can – you can look at him to generate that type of – you know, turn that type of um, defense into offense um, – now that would be more likely with Caruso, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, like, just the combination of, like, a healthy Lonzo ball and a healthy um, Alex Caruso in terms of, you know, where, where the lineup was back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it, but yeah like, definitely, you got to get the ball out their hand prematurely, get out in the get out in the space, get out in, you know, uh, transition, and – Try to get some easy points that way. Get get as many easy points as you can, because like like you say, they they're not gonna they're not gonna win the rebounding battle. You know, I, I if if they win the three point battle, that might be that be very much a surprise too, given Bogdanovich and some of the guys they got over there. So, you know, it's it's some challenges tonight, man. And and it's rough, man, because then you look at Friday, you got Phoenix, it's like. 
it's not getting easy at all, man. And that's crazy because we talk, we talking like that, like it's a guarantee you lost. Them dudes ain't even got Chris Paul. That's scary, man. <laughs> right, campaign gonna just show out on like the board. That. We man. gotta spike that Kool Aid, bro. Big we gotta spike this because <laughs> it, it, it's gonna be a, it might be a nightmare all weekend long, G. Like mm-hmm. it, it may be a nightmare all week long. It, and that's we hadn't even talked about we already talking about Utah and what they bring to the table and everything. Cool, Gabe mentioned the size and and all that. We haven't even forgot their X factor. And he hasn't even mentioned their X factor, Mike Conley, who lately has found his stroke. Yeah. And okay. that is scary for Utah. That's a whole nother demographic. When you talk about Io, Io and Caruso from the perimeter, who they got to be guarding, Io got to keep up with Mike Conley. Caruso got to keep up with Donovan Mitchell. Both are capable, but that backcourt is so dynamic, especially when Donovan is hitting and Mike Conley is hitting at the same time. When they end, they can dish it to a Bogdanovich. And then Clarkson have a crazy game recently too. Yeah, he just dropped forty five on yeah. Saturday. Right, he just dropped forty five on Saturday, and that's your guy coming off the bench. So you're, not, <laughs> you're not getting no, you're not getting no rest tonight, and you playing at high altitude, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, and, and that's why Utah is one of the toughest places to play. They always talk about the fans, you know, in, the, in Utah and Salt Lake City, but that altitude ain't no joke either. Because I've yeah. heard guys like Clint Capella and James talk about that, like in the playoffs, and Chris included. When they was in Houston, like how, man, that altitude could get to you. Mm. And them fans gonna be annoying too, cause they any sure. chance they get to beat the Bulls, they they gonna love it. Gabe, I mean, so I've heard that for a while now. The playing and how playing in Utah, how the altitude affects you. Did those guys say like it took a quarter? Did it take a half or like the whole game? They were trying to catch their breath. It's just like, you know, throughout the game, like you just got to make sure when you go there, you know, pretty much that you just in tip-top shape. Mm. You know, like I remember a lot of times watching the playoff games between Houston and Utah, and like Clint sometimes will have to come out, you know, do the rest, like it, like maybe the five-and-a-half-minute mark of the first quarter. And he could be mm. having a good quarter, but it's just like you got to make sure you in shape for it. And it's a mental thing too. So, you know, I, but I, I've heard a lot of guys talk about that though, like Utah and Denver – yeah. But especially Utah as well, just as much as Denver, like that altitude and then the, the crowd noise. You know, you got to make sure when you a point guard, like Chris would say, that you calling out sets and plays um as loud as possible that guys can hear you because when that building gets loud and they're going runs, it's kind of tough to, you know, communicate with your guys. Man, you you still out in that, in that Rockies in, in yeah. Utah. People don't know. People just think that's in Colorado. Was still there. <laughs> yeah. See Utah too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. but uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up pretty soon. We getting close to eight o'clock, but uh, I, I guess kind of just free for all, man. With anything that's you know going on in the league that's been catching that's been catching y'all attention. I mean, like I said, you got the Kyrie stuff and and the, with the Nets, and you know he 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 played. You know, okay, okay. The, I guess the two things him and Durant were like the first teammates to go for fifty. In consecutive games, but there's also the 60 that him and Cat had first time that's happened on back to back nights. So that's you know, I'm look, Cat has been a story himself, and and I'm look, I don't know how how much y'all listen to this show, but I said a couple weeks ago, them Timberwolves got some, yeah. and they've been playing. They they. <laughs> The only the the rough the rough thing about it is they can't really it's not really much room for moving in the West, but they've been dangerous lately. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm not. I and I'm not gonna lie. I think Cat had him to get sixty. I just didn't <laughs> think he was gonna get sixty like that. Especially what when he had thirty-one in the in one in one quarter. I didn't think he was gonna do all that. Thirty-two. Yeah, I didn't think he was gonna do all that. But do snaps. I mean, hey. Props, props, props to him. Props to him. Yeah. You know, he's definitely making. He been, he been swagged out since the since the All Star break. Say he the he the best shooting big man of all. Yeah. He been he been blowing his own horn continuously, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for for me, y'all, I'm I'm looking at this thing with Ben Simmons. At this point, I think it's 14 <laughs> games left in the season. Do you even bring this dude back? Like I, you you can't do that, Sam. Can you? Can you hold him out? Not hold him out, but can you throw him into this fire this late in the season where? Every game for Brooklyn, just like the Bulls, is like a uh, like a playoff game. Yes. And then if, if you do hold him out, hold that thought. If you do hold him out, um, what does that do to the Nets' chances? Like they 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 don't quite seem as dangerous to me. Drew, you talking about, you talking about just for the regular season or for the regular season and the playoffs? I'm talking about now for the regular season and the playoffs. Right. Just let that dude just fish <laughs> to the jam. Well, it's crazy I'm, we even asking this question. It, it is, it is. But I mean, what does that do to that team? Like, as as dope as Kyrie and Durant are, and for for all of Marks being able to get Drummond and Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, that he was supposed to be that team's lockdown defender. Yeah, everything they needed outside of shooting, he was supposed to provide, and that changes that team's dynamic so much. Um, it changes who has to guard who. You know, you got to depend on, depend on Bruce Brown more. You gotta you gotta throw Durant on other teams' best players more now. Um, so that's something I'm interested in seeing. If it was if it was me, man, I might think about like I said, man, just letting Simmons come back next year. Let him do just do just get right for next year, man. My thoughts is about. I agree on that. I really I really want to know what's really going through KD's mind. He has to have one of the most well uh occupied minds like the the way that he the way that he keeps things in focus on and playing basketball as opposed to because he i mean he has to feel short cut it in so many ways like this that team could be like 20 games above the rest of the east man if they if they just if if one dude got a shot and one dude they probably would have kept the other dude if the one dude got the shot. And they would be just playing together as a mighty threesome with this young, energetic pe- uh, group around them, and they'd be running stuff. But they like, they got to fight in these games every day and deal with this and that. And the, but compartmentalize is the word I was looking for. But it, that, that has to be what KD's brain is. It's like, Okay, all this mess is happening, but I'm, I'm let me go out and score this another fifty because I have to, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think it just comes down to that dude is a hooper. That's it. Like yeah. you want to hoop, man. I don't. You, are you coming or not? You're not coming. Cool. I'm hooping anyway. Like he's just you're right. Like, you're right. That's all it is. I, I see why you got him as your um profile pick. Just a tribute. Yeah, I just I'm, love that look though. Yo, I see you're killing me with that, that look sorry. is like my spirit out. <laughs> When I go to your Twitter, bro, and I see that, I really be thinking Kevin Durant be tweeting. I can't. <laughs> I can't, bro. That's why I was, I'm sitting there like, wait a minute. Kevin Durant said this? And then I'm like, oh, God, come on, man. Like, that's – I be getting confused. I be getting yeah, confused. Yeah. 
Do we? You don't put his face on his Twitter. You you just know from the words though with his Twitter, like Dave. I'm, I'm I'm real interested to see what your thoughts on this net situation, man. I'm gonna tell you something. I think Ben should come back because yeah. Ben will have the easiest job in the world. Like you just said, all he got to do is defend. Ain't gonna be no pressure. It's not like you got to shoot. You got Kyrie, you can kick it out too. You got Seth, you can kick it out too. You got Kevin Durant, you can kick it out too. And we know, you know, you give him a catch and shoot look, that's like a layup. So, I mean, all he got to do is just come back and defend and check the best player, and you can let him work his way into the rotation. And I think you definitely got to consider asking him, hey, how are you feeling, you know, depending on what Mayor Adams does with this vaccine mandate in New York City. You know, because if, if, if Kyrie is only able to play – during road games, KD got to have a, a guy behi- behind him. I know Kevin Durant is the type of guy, like you said, Drew, he's going to hoop no matter what. And, you know, that's what made guys like him and James Harden and even Kyrie included when he wants to play, you know, so special. You know, when they want to hoop, they, they they can do that. They don't care who on the floor with them. They're going to make it work. But, man, the playoffs, yeah, he's going to need somebody. We saw what happened last year when they were, you know, debilitated by injuries. You know, because there was a lot of buckets that was was sitting out between Dinwiddie, Harden missing games, Kyrie missing games. You know, they've always had this issue with injuries and off the court drama, and through some way, somehow, they figure it out. But they have yet to figure it out enough to make a deep run in the playoffs. And I think that's the next step. But they're gonna need Ben to do that. It, it would make sense maybe to to bring him back at the end of the. I mean, going into next season. But if they want to win now. Yeah, you gotta ask him how you feeling. Yeah, they they should want to win now because they yeah. that's their stand that's that's what they were put together for. You, you, you know, let's not forget either the biggest point out of all of this. The the brother hasn't played. He has been at home chilling, <laughs> collecting checks, paying fines. Put him in the game, like. I don't get how we talk about all of this, which all are great points, by the way. But who, but who making the final call, though, Josh? We don't know that. I don't care. <laughs> he does better go to the bench and be like, look here, bro. Your clock's ticking. How much time you got? Clock's ticking. Because right. we didn't show you for nothing. Like, come on. Get on the court. It's, and, and, and that's what blows me, too. Of course, with the whole Simmons situation. You've been out all this time. You claim you've been in the gym, but yet you got to get all this stuff together just to even see yourself on the floor. Like, what have you really been doing with your time, my mans? Because. Project yourself on the floor. <laughs> but yes, I mean, you, you literally are outside from trying to get back in shape. You pretty much been the healthiest person at home doing nothing, collecting checks. Ain't no way in tell on him. Right. You better get out there. And see, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe I understand why you said it. it's no – it's from a perspective of him not having so much on his shoulders. There's not that same pressure there was in Philly. No. But I think it's – I think it's – there's still enormous pressure on him just in a different way because if he doesn't play well – People aren't going to look at Durant. They're not even going to look at Irvin. They're not going to look at – they probably won't even look at, at, at Coach Nash. They're going to look at him. Even though we know that he has not played all this time and we know that, you know, his mental health has been uh, 
been a hindrance or been something that's been bothering him for how, God knows how long, it's going to come back to him. It's going to come back to him, especially if he doesn't play well. But you know what? It'll come back to him. But when you got guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in your locker room, you know, leaders and guys that's hoopers, you figure out a way to take that pressure off of him. You put your arm around him and you be like, hey, give, give me what you got. If you could give me, if you could give me anything, 24 to 25 minutes, even 30 minutes, just be the best defender. Like if he could just lock up, that's a plus. Cause he really, he don't have to take too many shots. All he got to do is initiate the offense and he could defend one through five. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, just lock up, do you, we got your back. I mean, they showed him mm. last week when they went to Philly, when he was sitting, you know, with the Louis Vuitton fit on everything, like they showed him, hey, we got your back. They took that personal. They they that's, played, that's what that's what I wanted to get into. Yeah. Look, <laughs> they were they were ready for war, especially Durant. And Ooh. and no matter what, no matter what uh Embiid had to say, Durant was right there with him, man. So this could be one of those things where they, as a team, they galvanize themselves and be like, it's yeah. it's that me against the world thing that teams, you know, whether they write about it or not, they they all seem to generate that something for themselves and and, and take it in, and especially at playoff time, take it in, into the that playoff times. And that could be the perfect thing for the Nets to really keep them, I, I, I keep their team chemistry going in spite of all the mess that's going on. We can, we have to highlight if you want to talk about that Philly Philly uh, Brooklyn game. We gotta highlight why Kyrie just manhandled and just made James Harden look so bad. <laughs> like like the reports that came out. I don't you know, know those reports, but the you know James gonna have a response. How Kyrie was Harden in practice. <laughs> Oh, I see why. <laughs> it was on national display about how much of a maestro Cairo Irving was and just magically magically made James Harden disappear. Like that's that's literally what happened in that. No, game. that's fair. That's fair. That that's that's all factual. Cause you know what? I never seen Kyrie in any game since he's been in the league take a defensive assignment that person. Yeah. And I and I have to give credit where credit is due. You know, like he 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 took that matchup very personally. And, they, and he was getting that hard in chest. And everybody was. Like, that double was coming very, very quick. And you could tell, like, when that double came and he wasn't getting rid of that ball quick, like, they were trying to push it in transition. You even heard Durant say, like, they can't mess with us in transition. So, like, yeah, they they I took my cap to him there. Because hey, I never he, seen Kyrie lock up like that. He, he, was playing, he was playing like Magic Johnson was playing against Cookie Ex-Boyfriend on, <laughs> on winning time. So I so wait, wait, I, 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 saw, I saw that clip. I didn't get to watch the second episode yet. I just finished the first one. But man, you ain't lying. Oh, that was hilarious. You ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> that dude, he didn't get that dude an inch. Man. <laughs> that, I mean, he took that boy so. And, and, and you heard what he said he did with Cookie. So uh, they, oh, ooh, man, they, 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 Stop they ain't playing. They ain't playing on that show, man. I have, to, I have to mention that right quick before we go off too. But he. Gabe, you saw the second episode, right? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> Josh, you been you been up on it? I'm I'm all caught up. I'm all caught up. So yeah, we good. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it next week since we all we should be all caught up. But <laughs> yeah, that that episode, like the way it depicted magic, it was is it, it got into what 
you know, people call people would call Magic just a guy who uh, he could smile in your face and, he, and kill you, and, and you know, put that knife in your back. That's what that's what they got into that that part of his personality when it came because it, it was it was about you know his woman and you know his pride and stuff. But you know, he also that competitive on court, and I thought it was nice how it sort of balanced out what happened with him in the first episode with Norm Nixon, how he got he got played in that position, but yeah. the other time it was him doing the plan and you know it was it was a really good episode. Like like I said, we're gonna keep up with that show with that show as it's going on. Yeah, I know it's a, a dramatization, but like the just these things are catching me off guard, like Jerry West character. Um, of course, um, Dr. Butts, the the one on one with Norm Nixon. I'm like, man, how how much of this is true? Because we think of these guys just hitting the ground running and not having any type of adversity, and he got his ass handed to him. <laughs> Norm I love Dr. Butts, man, <laughs> Dr. Butts is like he's the one uncle you see at the picnic. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, he's got, he, 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 he come with a couple girlfriends. Yeah. Every, <laughs> couple different girlfriends every uh every family event. Was the king yep. of the Playboy Mansion back in that era? Mm. Yeah, yeah I love it. And I I had no idea all this. I, yeah, I don't. I think I don't. I think that's one of the least exaggerated things on the show. Yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> his okay. his, his reputation. Yeah. We talked last week about just how. Let, let me get y'all thoughts on that because we. I don't think we talked about that. Drew was the Josh. What did y'all think about the struggle as it was depicted between them trying to pick, have, wanting to pick Magic internal, the internal struggle there? Because that was something that I was. I admit I wasn't as aware of. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't aware of that either. But it it, it makes sense. Yeah, just because of like. You know, the, everything is like a trend. So you see things working here. You want to keep it going. We haven't, we hadn't seen a point guard that big yet. So we're like, nah, we can't do that. Kind of like Jordan getting picked third. You know, it was like all these big guys are getting taken. Your team can't be based around a shooting guard. You right. Know, right. It, it takes, it takes like somebody saying, no, nah, we don't have to do it this way. We can go this route. And then for things to kind of open up and unravel, uh, unravel. Sorry. Yeah. You hit it right on the head, Drew. I was thinking the same thing. Like. It takes someone to be to think outside of the box and be that creative with what's given to them to take things and elevate things to the next level, and that's what Jerry did. And with well, Dr. Bus, when I talk about Jerry and Jerry West, struggled mm. with that. And that's if, if if since that dynamic, if that dynamic really is true, I can see that it makes sense. Um, and you know, obviously, if I was Jerry West, I'm just glad he came to the realization that he realized. This ain't me. So he gave that up. But yeah, the coaches, yeah. That's what we saw in the second episode. Yeah. It starts off with him being like, okay, you know, because he, he got a little prep pep talk from Bill Sharman. And he was like, Well, you know, you're you getting the pieces, but you could use them as you want. So with right. that in mind, he was like, Well, okay, I got magic. Just because I got magic don't mean I have to play him at point guard. He's like, I'll put the, so many words, I put the big bastard in the post, or whatever you know, and 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 that's what he was thinking about. But you know, of course, we know that that you know we know how that would have went 
but eventually by the end of the show, he the episode, he has the awareness to say, okay, I can't coach this team at all because I'm just gonna get in these in these players' way. And he he resigns, and that's where we leave the, going into the third episode. But you know, it's it's interesting though when you think about how that season wound up playing out and how in the end he actually played at center, you know, Magic did to save that championship for them and get clinched them that championship against Philadelphia. And, you know, just one of the most amazing clinching performances in NBA finals history where he was, uh, you know, substituting for, for cap for, for green. And, um, you know, it, it, that's that's the sort of thing that poetically, you know, sports can give you sometimes. I, it'll be interesting to see how they depict that in this uh, in this series as well. But one thing I'll say though, Doctor Buzz seemed to be more enamored with Magic's larger than life personality. So I don't even oh, yeah. know him being six a six seven six eight point guard six nine point guard as much as it was. Like he could have been six two six three, and I wonder if. Bus would have been on his head about them getting him. You know what I mean? Not likely. Yeah, not likely. He kind of accidentally like started off. Bus, his yeah, his his thought process is more about developing this into the greatest show in sports, developing the Lakers and the form into the place for sports. And then he sees, yeah, he sees this, you know, uh, exuberant six nine black man. Who who beat Larry Bird in in the national championship just months earlier? He saw all that, and it was like, yeah, that's that's L.A. That's what that's the vision that I want of the Lakers going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a, it's been a real good show so far. And I'm like, I said, I'm looking forward to keeping up with it with you guys. But uh, yeah, we the the game has stopped uh started out in Utah, so we're gonna let y'all. Let I'm gonna let you guys and and <laughs> we'll let our, our viewers and everything watch the rest of the game. But uh, yeah, the, like we'll, we'll keep up with the brackets as well next week. Hopefully, uh, we'll have some good updates on that side. Uh, like I said, if you haven't gotten me, well, I'm, I'm talking to y'all three, man. I'm not talking to the, <laughs> the audience at this point. But, I didn't see my email, man. I gotta. I ain't see it in my email. Pop just, up. just let me know. I'll send it to you again if you're okay. You got till tomorrow morning. So okay, but uh. Yeah, that's it for now, though, man. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to throw out before I, I wrap us up? Ben Simmons, don't jack this up for me, man. I'm going <laughs> to have my full medium medium well or medium rare steak with the full course meal. And by, and by playoff time, when the first playoffs come out, I need to see you on the court. That's his <laughs> bottom line. I got to see you on the court. You will ruin my investment of vouching for you throughout the whole trade. If you do not get on this court, I need you there, bro. I need you there. Ben, ben just got Ben got a little wisdom aside, home man. Uh, bad times don't last, but guys do. That's my salute to the bad guy, Razor Ramon. Yeah. Uh,